Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. I bet everybody saw this one coming. Top five Jimbo Fisher replacements. I've got top fives on Mississippi State uh, and Boise State coming as well. Um, we may move those around based on, on another suggestion uh, that I got on this today about top five things that went wrong at a and I'm not sure if I can pin it down to five or it's just five different versions of the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah. but I do have those, yeah. the, that one ready to go, uh, or at least it's in the, it's in the thought process uh, right now of getting that one done. Number five, uh, Chris climate at Kansas state. If you want the kind of RC Slocum vibe back, I think the closest coach to that, and maybe a little bit in Lance Leipold, in that, but schematically they're different. But Chris Kleiman, to me, has that R.C. Slocum vibe to him in that you're going to you know play powerful, tough, violent football. Your defense is always going to be solid. Uh, the wrecking crew, you know, old-school A&M stuff, Chris Kleiman. I don't think that the coach from Kansas State, as successful as he has been, and not just at Kansas State, at North Dakota State before that, is going to be what they're looking for. But I do think culturally based on what has been successful at A&M in the past, he is certainly a fit. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see his name on this list. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it makes sense for the reasons why you mentioned him. Um, I think he's obviously got a really great thing going on in Manhattan right now. Uh, they are set up to win a lot of Big 12 titles and, you know, flirt with the playoff pretty consistently and uh, be one of the uh, the better teams in the Big 12 moving forward. Uh, but, you know, hey, money talks and situation talks and all that. I don't know. He strikes me as somebody that wouldn't really love all of the politics and a lot of just the, the kind of messiness of yeah. A&M. But then again, if you're going to deal with that and then get like an $80 million check when things don't work out, then, hey, maybe you put up with that for a little while, right? Yeah. Um, money does talk after all. But, yeah, I mean, this this never even crossed my mind. But A&M could do far worse, and there's not too many guys they could really do better with. So I would think that – you know, you would at least check that box and 
just reach out and see what the interest level might be, but it almost does feel like he's not good enough for them, even though he's plenty yeah. good enough hey, for them, and he's all, been better than them. No, so. no stone on like no, yeah, sure. no stone unturned. And yeah. this is a guy who knows how to build championship programs. Yeah, and uh, North Dakota State uh, without is, overextending by yeah. doing it methodically. Yes, exactly. So, um, and and Kansas State could very well be that. He's he's still early on at Kansas State, relatively mm-hmm. uh, there. Number four. Jonathan Smith uh, is about to be in a situation where uh, he is not a power five head coach anymore. Uh, And in a weird situation now, he's at his alma mater, but he's one of the best young coaches in the country. He's put together a really good staff. Now, has he recruited this part of the country really before? No, no, no. But um, as you guys have heard me say before, good coaches are good coaches, no matter where their feet are. Um, I, I, I really fought it during the whole, like, Matt Rule thing to not like jump through the phone at some of our college. We're like, man, this guy doesn't speak Texas. And you're like, he speaks English, right? Like, that's yeah. all he needs to do. Like, believe me, uh, you know, you, you're probably a Cowboys fan. You love Randy White, right? Yeah. He puts all the boots and the Cowboys stuff on now, but he's from Maryland. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like he, you can adapt to places you are. And I think this is, if you want a coach who is on the rise and has not even hit his full potential yet, that could come in and make your program his own, I think you could do a lot worse than Jonathan Smith. Now, this one would be maybe even pushing it a little further out because, again, you've got to appease the fan base, and Oregon State may not be in their realm of, of worldview. They have Washington at home this weekend. What yeah. a game that's going to be. Yeah. yeah, it's setting up to be a big week for them. I mean, there's uh, Pac-12 discussions ongoing. I think, uh, what, tomorrow there might be, or tomorrow or Wednesday, maybe tomorrow, there's tomorrow. Uh, yeah. more light shed on what exactly is going to happen with that whole situation. So you say they're not a Power 5, but maybe they are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we don't know. Like, they're a Power 5 in a group of two conference. Uh, yeah, I don't know how all that's going to work. Or maybe they're not, and maybe they are putting together some renegade schedule and flying by the seat of their pants for the next couple of years. Um, that's that's got to get cleared up to make this situation make yeah. a bit more sense. But, I mean, I think the biggest thing here is, is he going to leave Oregon State at their time of ultimate weakness when he's an Oregon State guy? Yeah. Um, that's That's got to be – you know, the, the timing matters a lot in these things, right? And that's like with the Dan Campbell thing of like, why would he leave the Detroit Lions right now, especially uh, when they're on the precipice of maybe having the greatest Lions team of all time uh, to go back to a- to A&M? That just, I, I think the timing's not right there right now. I think for Jonathan Smith, I don't know if the timing's right to leave Oregon State in this moment of all moments, yeah. you know what I mean? But like with the Chris Kleiman thing of, yeah, you check every box, you you turn over every leaf, and he's a hell of a football coach, and he's got them in a really great spot right now, and they've got some very interesting games coming up here uh, to close out the season. So, yeah, uh, I think he's a guy that everybody with an opening should at least look into. Now, he is an all-West Coast guy. He's only yeah. coached on the West Coast. He's from the West Coast and all that. Um, but it's coaching, so like you say with Matt Rule, like yeah. you, you can would adapt he, and go anywhere. Would he be up with the UCLA? Oh, job yeah, I was just about yet? to say that. Yeah. Like, look, if UCLA comes open, yeah. that might be who they they go and grab. Although they, I know that they like their defensive coordinator a lot uh, as well. Number three, our good buddy Jeff Trailer. Now, this would be the one where I think you would wonder about how fast can he he keep that roster. Now, look. Uh, he's already done a great job of recruiting his own roster at UTSA with far less resources and making sure that most of them don't don't slip into the transfer portal. He's done a great job of that. So he has those skills. Plus, if you want to talk about owning recruiting in Texas, he would totally do that. East Texas, Houston, like he would be able to basically um, 
you know, how Howard Schnellenberger set up the state of Miami. I think he could put up as much of a border on East Texas as anybody could. He would um, get he would get a chunk out of there, but he's also now because he was a part of the Texas staff, yeah. SMU staff, the Arkansas staff, so he's had some other places he's learned. But he would, yeah, no, he could recruit it whether it's Waco, Fort Worth, College Station, or anywhere. Yeah, but I'm just, like just saying of like being able to kind of corner a region where Absolutely. you can you can kind of pepper because Houston's got to be a And A&M's. A&M always used to have a huge pipeline into that area, yeah. and they really have gotten more national, which is fine. And he'll be able to Terry do that Bussey with Terry Bussey from Timpson put up that hmm when he saw the news about Jimbo Fisher. Great yeah, play so, out of Timpson. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I actually think A&M should be able to retain most of it because most of it's now a financial decision. But I think Jeff would do, and he might be the overall best choice for this job, but I'm not sure that he will be the choice for the job. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they do need to move quickly, though, with that yeah. recruiting class and with uh, the portal opening up and just all that's coming with that. Uh, so, yeah, I do think they need to move quickly for guys like Terry Bussey and, and others that are part of that commitment list. But, yeah, I mean, he checks all the boxes. Um, I think, you know, the Frank Harris era is about to end after six years in San Antonio. Yeah. So the timing would be right um, there as far as, you know, kind of going out the same time as Frank Harris because of the way you guys have been lined up together. I do wonder, like, has he – I know he'd probably balk at this and bark at this, but, you know, have you kind of tapped out what you're going to be able to do at UTSA? Like, I know you could run it back and win 12 games another year or whatever, but it's like how much more are you really going to do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At, at UTSA, he just seems bound for bigger things. Remember what he said to us about the indoor facility, things like that? How much more can they add to the yeah. mix? Too? Well, I know, but I'm, I've heard what Matt Rule said about his time at Baylor, and I've yeah. heard what, you know, like, I mean, coaches say what they say. I, I do believe he has a fond love for UTSA, but I don't no, think – No, I'm th- saying is remember he, out, he they don't have one. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think that that also part of it is he's grumbled a lot about – certain things they do or do not have, like yeah. very openly. And they've given them a lot. And they've given the a lot, too, yeah. but it's still like not quite well, enough for what they would want to do. At A&M, that would not be much of an issue. It's not going to move as fast. Right. They don't have a black card. A&M right. has a black exactly. card. Yeah, so they, he'd be able to do whatever he wants. And, and so, yeah, it would, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Number two, from the Jimbo staff off to um, Duke right now and doing one of the best jobs in the entire country. And if he had a healthy quarterback right now, I don't know what Duke's record would be. Uh, they have four losses. I feel like that's not a, a fair assessment of how good uh, they have been, especially defensively. But Mike Elko uh, knows the area, recruited the area, uh, knows the – I mean, he recruited the whole country with, with Jimbo Fisher. He could come in, and I do think he is not only re- maintaining the recruiting class, but maintaining Evan Stewart and Connor Wigman and – uh, Bryce Foster and guys like that, like that are already on the and Reuben Owens, guys like that who are already on the roster and will be coming back. Those are the guys you need to to also make sure you keep, and so that the next guy can come in. I think Mike Elko can do that. I saw where one of the receivers has already entered the portal. Yeah, I mean and that's going to happen no matter yeah. what. Like and that, that might could happen, happen no matter, matter what. what. Yeah. But yeah. the as long as that guy's name is not Evan Stewart. Then yeah. you're you still yeah. your head's above water. There's some people salivating on that name. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd be more worried about the defensive side because that's where yeah. I feel like they've really got their money makers that have proven themselves already uh, yeah. in so many ways. And so he would help out with that immensely. The offensive side, though, you're right. I mean, your Evan Stewart, your Ruben Owens, is your Connor Wegmans, and all those guys that you've uh, you've gone and got these last few years. Yeah, I mean, they're all. I'm sure getting phone calls and text messages and everything else here over the last 24 hours. So he does seem like somebody that could stop the bleeding. If there is bleeding, like obviously it's too early to know for sure, but 
uh, the familiarity, the success already, having gone and you know done his thing there in Durham for uh, for uh, was it been a couple years now and um, yeah, just two yeah just the two years but uh, and like I said the familiarity and the knowledge of kind of what's already going on there yeah he would seem to be a logical candidate and uh, one that would line up really well but you know is he. Uh, is he the slam dunk? No, I think they're going to look at a lot of different people for sure. No. And number one, this one to me is the hardest one to get done, but I do think it's if you want what you really are searching for, I think this is the guy, young, SEC experience, uh, a like proven winner at Oregon, uh, not losing, like losing game, like he loses close games at Oregon. Like when they lose, they lose close games. They win on the road. They do, they do all these things. Now I know it's early on, but Dan Lanning, uh, knows all the moves to make, can recruit, um, go to the coaching staff, clearly can navigate uh, at least one big gigantic donor uh, and and do well with that. And before everybody pushes back on me on this, and I agree, like there's not a reason right now he can – he's going to the Big Ten with Oregon. Um, there's all these new things happening there. Phil Knight, Nike Money, blah, blah, blah. They've lost their last two head coaches – just walking out the door. So this is not necessarily something, and I think Phil Knight is part of this because he does run one of the most successful businesses on planet Earth in that he knows if someone wants to leave, you let them leave. Yeah, and, and they so, did, and guess what he's done? Yeah, he's won. and so he's won yeah. because they know that nothing is um, – this isn't like cobalt, where it's a finite resource. There is This is an infinite resource. If you hire well, you're always going to get good guys. So I do think that this is in the realm of possibility. And remember, Oregon has a partial share for a couple years. A&M doesn't have to worry about that. I don't know. I'm just saying this one makes a lot of sense. Well, but it, I mean, that's the, the number timing one is really, really yeah. rough. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that, that's the one that you've heard the most since yesterday's news or even before that that's a lesson that uh, a lot of teams Baylor too uh needs to learn is about the uh the handling of those coaches contracts and be like all right you want to go all right we'll go find another guy that's fine I mean and I know that Oregon didn't just like put up no fight for their guys but they didn't like the world is ending we're losing Willie Taggart to Florida State or Mario's going to Miami we'll never recover they've recovered every time so yeah I think there's a lesson to be learned there for sure um, and not get uh, too over your skis with trying to lock guys down for you know forever and ever. But yeah, he's the he's the name that's the most widely mentioned. I mean, he's the the big time you know next man up candidate for any major job, and he's already had a major job. You know, is the Big Ten thing a good or a bad thing in his eyes? You know, I don't know how he views it. He obviously knows the SEC very well. I'm sure he feels like he could go to College Station and win big. But is it enough of a of a tick up? you know, to, to make it worth it, to pack your bags and get back up again and, and go back uh, to the south. I, I don't know. That, that's going to be fascinating, though, because he's he's going to be mentioned quite a bit uh, so long as that job's open and depending on what other ones open up. And in the future, any other ones that open up, he's going to be the top of yeah, those lists, too. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see yeah. kind of where his mind is as far as the and, ducks and the longevity there. And, and to answer Paxton really quick, no, it's not going to be Urban Meyer. And it's not going to be Deion Sanders. No, I would want it to be Urban just to sit back and watch everybody like they'd lose win. their they'd, freaking yeah, mind. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I don't like to stand on any moral high horses uh, because, you know, we're all fra- uh, flawed human beings. But as a person who grew up in that world, um, I would not. I would not. Hey. 
and, and not, this is not going to make them do it, but it would break my heart. Yeah, uh, it well, would absolutely you know break my heart. They'd probably win a national title. <laughs> they'd probably, and, 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 probably and, win a yeah, national title. They probably title. would. They would, and then whatever's left behind. And then it'd be bad after that, but yeah. Right, but yeah. then he's going to leave in three years when he's right. got health problems and somebody's punched their girlfriend and it's not his fault. Right. Like, you know, like, yeah, go ahead. He beat Florida State a lot. He did yeah, beat yeah. Florida State a lot, but, but he also is. But what in the end, it was it worth it? Yeah, if you're a Florida fan, but at the same time, but there's a lot of Spurrier lot beat him, too. I don't have the same feelings for him. Paul, Paul yeah. hates Urban, if you can't tell, so he would be very torn on this. But, Dion, <laughs> that's also another interesting one. I, I don't what know. What happened to the players at Colorado not being able to transfer a second time? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the t- – again, timing's so important here. Yeah. And I don't know if the timing would be right, like, not only on Dion's end, but on A&M's end. Do they feel like this is the big step that they need to make to turn the program around after paying Jimbo all that money is to throw it all at Dion now? Like, I don't know about that either, well, but he's obviously well, an interesting name to mention. He, there's some other things that have gone on at Texas A&M recently that would I would think would preclude Dion from going there. Oh, okay. because of the one professor. Who well, was... it's not just and it's not just that one thing, but that's the big thing. Yeah, and yeah. so they've got some things that they need to prove to the rest of the world that they're not for Dion to walk through that door. All right, thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. By the way, the Big Twelve players of the week, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, they ought to just gone co with him and Drake Stoops, who was amazing in that game against West Virginia. Damari Henderson, Defensive Player of the Week from UCF. Iowa State running back Abu Sama, uh, who was fan- the third, who was fantastic in a route of BYU. And Texas Tech kicker Gino Garcia were the Big 12 Players of the Week this past week. Yeah. Stoops now has 62 catches, nine touchdowns in the same number statistically with Worthy and Brown and many others, uh, including the touchdowns tied with A.D. Mitchell for nine in the conference, overall in the conference. Gino Garcia, uh, yeah, had obviously a very big role in that Texas Tech win, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think the only game we didn't mention a little while ago was Iowa State blowout of BYU, so I'm glad that uh, we rounded back to that to touch on that. So, yeah, really good win for the Cyclones who are sitting pretty right now as far as just how these next couple of weeks go. Like, there's an outside, outside shot still right at the Big 12 champion. You are doing a little simulator thing yeah. earlier. There's, like, an outside shot that Iowa State could still be in that mix with that win because they're sitting there at 5-2. and two. So, I mean, they're they're in pretty uh, good shape. And now 6-4 and four overall, they're going bowling. So, that was a big win, I think, for BYU. Like, I've been pretty pessimistic about BYU all year, if you all remember. I've not yeah. really been sold on them. I think that was just another indication of they've got a really long way to go. And I think it kind of sunk in on Saturday for a lot of fans, too, of like, yeah, we just got blown out by Iowa State. Blown um, out, but Texas beat them up pretty good. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of in a little bit of a free fall. And at, at home, too. So yeah. it's, uh, it's not – that, that was even yeah. more surprising. This has been a Rogue Media Network. Oh, shit.